Our topic today is power, extrinsic and intrinsic. Learn from principles of Kedushat Yerushalayim Veret Israel, the sanctity of, of Yerushalayim and, and the land of Israel, Megillah uh, Yudah Mudad of 10a. This, the ideas that we're going to develop are very impactful in a number of different areas of life. They apply to law, they apply to politics, as we'll see. They apply to leadership, they apply to education, and they apply to self-development. Let's have a look and see. To start off with, we'll contextualize uh, the material from a piece of Rambam. Uh, at the beginning of Hilchot Beit HaBechira, the laws of the temple of the Beis HaMikdash. In the beginning, when they conquered Eretz, when they entered Eretz Israel in the time of Yehoshua, they established the Mishkan, which had followed them through the desert, in the Gilgal, and it stayed there for 14 years while they conquered the land and divided it. And then they came to Shiloh, and they built there a physical structure made of stone. And they threw over it the cloths, the the the, the material that that fenced in the Mishkan in the desert. But it didn't have a roof. It didn't have a ceiling. And the Mishkan stayed in Shiloh, and you can see till today when you go to Shiloh, you can see the area that very clearly where the Mishkan stood. It stood there for 369 years. And it became destroyed when Eli died. Then it moved to Nov. And they built a base Amikdash in Nov. When Shmuel died, they destroyed it and it, they came to Givon, Uvanu Shamikdash, and they built a base Amikdash in Givon. Umi Givon Beta Olamim. And from Givon, the next stop was the Beit Olamim, the house of eternity, the Beit Amikdash in Yerushalayim. Vimein Nov Givon Sheva Vechamishim Shana. And the total period of Nov and Givon was another 57 years. So there you have the context. Um, and the Rambam says further in Halacha Gimel that once Yerushalayim was established, once the Beis Hamikdash was established in Yerushalayim, it was forbidden forever to build a temple, to build a Beit Hamikdash anywhere else other than Yerushalayim, or to bring korbanot on any mizbech on any altar outside of Yerushalayim. Al Gemara at the bottom of Tetam would. Bet and the top of, of Yudam with Aleph is actually the Mishnah, says, Kudushat Shiloh, Yeshachareya Heter, Ukudushat Yerushalayim, Enachareya Heter. There is a difference between the sanctity of Shiloh and the sanctity of Yerushalayim, and now we know what that means. And what what is the difference? That after Shiloh there was Heter, there was permission, whereas after Yerushalayim there was not permission, which, as Rashi explains, means permission to bring sacrifices elsewhere. After Shiloh was destroyed, sacrifices could be brought on private Bamot, but not so after Yerushalayim was destroyed. Says the Rambam at the end of Hilchot Beit Abichira, in the sixth parish, uh, he explains the difference between the sanctity of Yerushalayim and all other sanctity, the rest of, of Eretz Israel. How was the sanctity of Yerushalayim established? That was sanctified with the, we're talking about the temple now, with the sanctity of the temple imbued into it by Shlomo. Shlomo HaMelech imbued sanctity into the temple, into the Beit HaMikdash for that time and Yerushalayim, for that time. And forever. 
Um, and the Rambam goes on to explain that more so in, uh, in Halachat Tetvav. And then in Halachat Tetzayin, the Rambam says that the difference between the Kedushah, the sanctity of Yerushalayim, the Beit HaMikdash, and the rest of Israel is Lefishe Kedushat HaMikdash v'Yerushalayim mipnei hashchina u'shchina ena betela. Because the sanctity of Yerushalayim and the Beit HaMikdash is imbued through the presence of the Shechina, Hashem's presence there. And Hashem's presence is never removed, doesn't go away. So that the there is a qualitative difference between the sanctity of Yerushalayim and the sanctity of the rest of Eretz Israel. When you travel into Yerushalayim and you walk the streets of Yerushalayim, there's a, a presence of the Shechina there which gives it its sanctity. The sanctity of the rest of the land, but what gives the, the rest of the land sanctity so as to obligate it in the laws of the Shemitah, which we're celebrating at the moment, and the dinim of Maisri, of Maisrot, the tithes, that's because the nation, the entire nation, conquered the land of Israel. That gave it its Kedusha. The Rambam introduces an, an incredibly innovative idea, and that is that once the conquest was um, counteracted, in other words, we lost the land through the conquest of other nations, then our original conquest has no more legal strength. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't stand for anything. It's no longer part of Israel. And when Ezra came back, before the time of the of the second Beit Hamikdash in the sixth century BCE, uh, Ezra came back and lokid uh, He did not use the instrument of conquest to sanctify the land. There was no need for conquest. Uh, king the King Koresh sent the Jews back to Israel and told them to occupy it. There was nobody there. It was hefker. It was empty, and they went and they lived in it. Ela bechazaka zikuba. The way they conquered it was through Chazaka. They actually um, conquered it by occupation, uh, by possession, by living in it. And therefore, every area where the those who came from Bavel settled and worked and lived, those areas still retain their sanctity even at times that we didn't have Eretz Israel. Through the 2,000 years that we were outside of Eretz Israel, Eretz Israel still retained the sanctity given to it by Ezra, not by Yoshua. Sanctity given to it by Ezra in those areas of Eretz Israel that were indeed possessed and occupied by the people who came from, from Babylon. And this is all uh, developed also in the Sechta Kiddushin, in the Mishnah Daf Kafav Umud Aleph, where we learn the whole din of Chazaka. Chazaka is one of the ways that you can acquire land. The Mishnah says, fixed property. Niknim, they can be acquired in one of three ways. Bekesef, one can pay money for them and that thereby acquire them. Uvishtar, one can write a document of transfer and thereby acquire it. Uvichazaka, or one can publicly demonstrate possession and live in it. Uh, and the Gemara talks about the different ways to do that, to, to build, to lock the door, to build a fence, to dig trenches in it. There are things to do that demonstrate ownership. 
or to live in it for a period of three years uninterrupted with, without anybody evicting you. There are different ways that we can establish Chazaka. Ask the Gemara of a Chazaka Minalan. How do we know from, where do we know that Chazaka is a valid means of acquiring property? Chizkiah says because of the Pasuk, the verse in Yirmiyah, and you shall return to the cities that you have that you've grasped by metafastim how do you grasp a city be yeshiva by living in them the be rabbi shmuel tanah the rabbi shmuel learns from a different pasuk in vorim yirashtim otavi shavtim ba ba me yirashtim how do you acquire how do you own the land of israel be yeshiva by occupying it and so we see here there are two different instruments of of ownership through which one can or through which we can acquire Eretz israel the one is the one is kibush conquest and the other is Chazaka. Asks the Kesef Mishnah, that's the Mechaber, the Beis Yosef, and his, in his parish on the Rambam, I don't understand the difference between Kibush and Chazaka, why one should be permanent and the other not. And in any event, even though the original conquest of the land in the time of Yoshua was through Kibush, through conquest, thereafter they occupied it. So what does it have less than the time of Ezra? In the time of Ezra, there was no conquest. There was only Chazakah. There was only possession. Whereas in the time of Yeshua, there was first conquest and then there was possession. Why should that be a weaker form of ownership than the ownership that emanated from the time of Ezra? And here we're introduced to two really important people with whom I feel a very close personal connection, although very indirectly so. Um, and the one is the Evan Hoazel, which is uh, Rabbi Zalman Meltzer, um, who was the Rav in Slotsk and the Rosh Hashivah in Slotsk before the war, um, way before the war, and came to Eretz Yisrael and became the Rosh Hashivah of Yeshivas Eitz Chaim in Yerushalayim. Um, and uh, many of you will have heard the story before that I've told you, but it's so important to get an understand an understanding of the stature of these people. Uh, Rabbi Sazama Meltzer is the person that when my father visited Eretz Israel in 1952, um, his uncle, Rebellia Lopian, said to him, uh, have you seen Rabbi Simchazizel yet? He said, no, I haven't. And, uh, he said to him, well, you need to see him before you leave. And my father said, well, I'm on the way to the airport already, and Rebellia said, stop off and see him. Uh, it was late, and my father wasn't able to do that. And when he next visited Israel and visited his uncle, his uncle remembered and immediately started the converse- conversation by saying, when we met last time, I told you to see Rebbe Sazalman, did you? And my father said, no, I didn't have time. I was on the way to the airport. And Rebellia said, I didn't say to you, stop and speak to him. I just said, see him, just have a look at him. Because once you've seen Rebbe Zalman Meltzer, you'll never be the same again. That's the power of stature of the Gedolei Yisrael, that when you see somebody like Rabbi Zalman, that changes your life forever. And it was one of my father's great regrets that he didn't do so. And Rabbi Zalman explains that the difference was that when the in the time of Yeshua, when they came to do the Chazakah, when they came to possess the land, they already had ownership because the land had already been acquired through conquest and, and had been given out to them through lottery. Hashem had given, and Yeshua, through Yeshua, had given each tribe their piece of land and each family their piece of land. So there was already ownership before Chazakah, before the act of possession. And the act of possession, says Rabbi Sazalman, doesn't work if you already own something. The act of possession works if you're transferring something from Hefker or from some other owner to yourself. But if you already have ownership, then the Chazakah is meaningless. It's a, it's a meaningless a- activity. 
Um, whereas in the time of Ezra, there was no kibush. So the way they conquered it was, in fact, through chazakah, uh, through possession, not through kibush at all. So it seems that once you conquer with military might, you don't have the option to possess it by means of chazakah thereafter because your possession is already established through the physical might. But there is a weakness in physical might, explains Rabbi Sazalman, because physical might is, isn't as permanent. This is explained even better by uh, the Dvar Avrom. The Dvar Avrom is the second personality I wanted to mention to you and also relates to, to a story with my father that some of you will have heard me re- relate, that my father would, would tell us um, that in the guidebooks of the city of Kovna, there used to be a comment that it's worthwhile going to the main boulevard, the Las Vesalea. The Las Vesalea, which means the Liberty Boulevard, is a beautiful boulevard in uh, in Kovna. When I went to Kovna, it was the first place I went to see this place that my father described, and it was exactly as he described it, this beautiful boulevard with an island down the middle and trees all over, all over and cafes and restaurants, uh, uh, down the road and in the guidebook it would say it's important it's worthwhile to go to the Las Vesalea at three o'clock in the afternoon on any day because that's when the Kovnerov, the Dvaravrom, uh, the Rebavram Dov Kahana Shapira takes his afternoon walk and it's worthwhile seeing that he walks with such majesty that uh, once again just seeing that man seeing his stature and his bearing could change one forever. Um, Reb Avram Dov Shapira passed away in 1943 in the, in the Warsaw Ghetto. And he, the Dvar Avram, writes, writes that Kivan Dechol Ikara Shel Kedusha Haya Mishum HaKibush Shelanavu Hukinyan Raklizman. Conquest is a temporary Kinyan, a temporary acquisition. It kind of is ongoing. As long as you're holding it, you have it. If you let go of it, you have no Kinyan. It's only Kozman Shikfushatachat Yadenu, Hilkach Mishelekhuam Yadenu, Shabatela Kibushilanu Pakamine Kinyanenu Mamela. Once we let go of it and it's taken away from us, our ownership of the land is removed, it disappears, and therefore the land has no further Kudushah. The Kudushat Eretz Israel is damaged as a result of the fact that we no longer have ownership over it. And so we see here these, these two ideas, firstly in Kibush Eretz Israel, and then uh, much further than that, that, that one can own something, one can exert power by force. But there's another way to do it, and that is by living, by being, uh, by by occupying, by possession, which which is very different. So in law, we've got these two ideas. You can own through an, an extraneous means, like a document or money that was transacted, and you can own through possession. In politics, we can own Eretz Israel through kibush, through conquest, which is an extraneous form. It's our power and our strength, and lasts only as long as we have the power and the strength. And there is chazakah, there's actually living in Israel. And we see today the difference between those parts of Israel that we've taken ownership of through possession, through living in it and developing in it and building in it, uh, and those parts of Israel which we conquered but haven't possessed. And the second part is challenged all the time. It's ours only as long as we hold on to it with force. The moment we let go of that force, we lose that part of, of Israel. That's the nature of, of kibush. 
but it applies also in, in leadership. We can lead and exert influence over people using the status of our position, something we have acquired, something we've been given. Uh, but the moment we no longer have that status, we no longer have power over people. The status gives me the power. I can fire you. I can, I can discipline you. Uh, I can affect your career. But the moment I'm no longer your manager, I have zero power over you. But there's another kind of, of leadership where one leads through one's inner stature, through the human being that one is, and that one has for life. That you always have, even if one is no longer a, a formal leader, still one has the capacity to, to, to be respected and held in high esteem and followed because of who you are, not because of the position you occupy. In education, one can discipline a child extraneously, but one can also develop an inner sense of, of propriety and correctness and honesty and integrity in, in the child. And so also with self-discipline, we can uh, discipline ourselves in a, a, just using, using the force of self-discipline. And we find that in Musar, and we find that in Chassidut, the idea of conquering the Yetzirah, conquering the, uh, our, our survival instinct that drives us to, to do things out of fear, conquering that just by, by willpower. But there's also the idea of turning, uh, just operating differently, operating from a place of positivity, operating from a place of virtue, operating from a place of openness and growth rather than operating from a place of fear. And then one doesn't have to dominate it. One, one, possesses one, one, one possesses one's personality and doesn't have to dominate it with self-discipline. It's interesting also that these two people that, are, that I've mentioned, Rabbi Zalman and the, and the Dvar Avrom, and the stories that I told you, both entailed the effect that they had on people just by seeing them. That's not through intimidation. That's not through their status. It's not because they were Rav and Rosh Hashiva. It was just because of who they were, that non-Jewish people were able to stand in the, in the Lysfes Aleya and be impacted by just watching this magnificent human being. Uh, with the, the image, just the image of Hashem on, the, on his face. When one sees these Gedoli Israel, you see that they stand in the presence of Hashem. Um, and, and the same with Rabbi Sazalman Meltzer, that Rabbi Yelopian wanted my father just to see him because of his stature. And so to appreciate through this piece of learning uh, that this difference between being able to exert one's influence through force and being able to exert one's influence through being, through who one is and how one lives, are two different forms of leadership and two different forms of, of influence. And that the former, being able to do it by force, almost deprives you of ever being able to pivot into a different situation where you're uh, expressing your leadership by force of character by who you really are just as in the case of israel once they had kibush once they conquered in the time of yeshua they no longer had the benefit of chazakah of possessing the land and acquiring ownership through possession which would have been forever uh, whereas if your original way of gaining influence is through who you are through the way you live and not through the power that you have that's a force of influence that apply that that exists forever that lasts forever uh, and that doesn't wane.